0: Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word. Lord, I thank you for that testimony. Lord, it's just, that's uh, pretty cool. Pray, Lord, that you'll lead us and guide us into all truth. Give us wisdom, insight, understanding, and uh, open our eyes. Open our eyes to your word. Open your eyes to to, uh, your plan and purpose for us. Thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we've been talking about Nehemiah, and Nehemiah has uh, um, started out in, where? Where did he start out? Persia, Susa. Started out in Persia. He heard from some Jews that, that had been to Jerusalem, that it was in ill repair, that the walls were broken down, and because the walls were broken down and not rebuilt, had been that way for a hundred years, from the time of the of the of the uh, exile until then, about a hundred years. Um, and because the wall had not been rebuilt, homes can't be rebuilt because anything that was rebuilt didn't last very long, and anything that um, so then even the temple they couldn't put a lot of nice things into the temple. They had to. It was a it was a mess. So Nehemiah talks to the king, he then or yeah, to the king and the king gives him his okay and his funding for um, going back and rebuilding the temple. He goes back, he sends with him a bunch of cavalry, sends with him a bunch of other people as many Jews as wanted to, could go back about 20,000 did. That was the third wave. That was the third wave of, of uh, exiles to return from Persia after the exile, which puts about maybe 100,000, 200,000 or so back in, back in Jerusalem from the exile. They start rebuilding the temple, but immediately they run into, um, they run into opposition. And, and uh, just when you thought you were doing God's will and that everything was, that you were, you were doing what you're supposed to be doing, immediately there is opposition, and that happens. That's, that's real life, that, that opposition comes. So we're at verse 4 of chapter 4, and it says, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So those two guys, Sambalat and Tobiah, um, had criticized them, saying, "Oh, what you're building is going to fall down. You're not going to be able to complete it. Who do you think you are? And... Instead of Nehemiah attacking those two men, instead of him um, criticizing them, attacking them, he immediately prays. That is that is a great example of what we should do um, when those sort of things happen to us is we don't have to retaliate. We don't have to be our own justifiers. Um, the Lord showed me that early on in my walk with him. I don't have to justify myself to other people. God will do it. God will take care of it. He will be my justifier. He'll be the one who who uh, backs me up in all of this. He didn't debate, he didn't form a committee, he didn't even deal with the two enemies directly. Instead, he took it to God in prayer. And his prayer was first for resource, but not as a last resort. It was it was it was prayer was the first thing he thought of doing. So when times of opposition comes, God wants us to rely on him, and, and the purest way of expressing our reliance is to pray. That is, uh, you know, we can, we can struggle, we can, we can try to plan, we can try to figure it out, but really what he wants us to do is go, you know what, Lord, I need your help. We need your help here. This is the situation. So verse 6, um, after he gets done praying, the next verse in verse 6, it says, so we rebuilt the wall till it was half its height. They just kept working. They didn't listen to the to the uh, naysayers. They didn't listen to the to the criticizers. They just kept right on working. God answered that that prayer by giving them a mind to work. Um, Nehemiah wasn't the only one who heard the criticism. He wasn't the only one who was in earshot of these guys, and so that, you know, it it is meant it was not a physical attack. We're going to notice that. These guys never physically attack. All they do is criticize. All they do is whine, complain, uh, accuse. You know, they keeps getting more and more intense as they go along, and they say all kinds of things, but they never once lift a sword. They never once lift a spear. Even though they threaten to, they don't do it. But... God answered the prayer because you know, what they're trying to do is to discourage the people. Instead, the people kept moving. The people kept going forward. So he wants us, uh, he wants, Satan wants to destroy our work by his attacks. He wants us to lose hope. He, lo- he wants us to lose heart. And he wants us to lose the mind to work, to keep moving forward. Um, he wants us to feel defeated. He wants us to be passive. He wants us to be self-focused or discouraged, which is all exactly how he defeats us. He may, he gets us to the point where we give up. Satan cannot stop us. He cannot stop us. All he can try to do is to convince us to stop ourselves, to give up ourselves. And so, if he can't do that, then we win. But it really all relies on us. It, it isn't about Satan doing something to stop us. He can't. He cannot. It's, and the same way here in Nehemiah, we see those guys did not physically, were not physically able to stop what they were doing. All they could do was try to discourage and try to make them stop, give, have them give up. Critics demoralize, leaders encourage. When the critics spoke, the workmen heard them and were demoralized. But when the capable leader stepped up and said, "Let's look at God, or let's look at it God's way," stay at the job. The crew members were back at work. Were back at work quickly, and they finished half of the work in a, in, in a record time. So, verse seven. When Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone on ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, stir up trouble against it, and stir up trouble against it. But, he, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So they start ramping up they start ramping up the attacks they start ramping up the threats and now they're actually talking about fighting we're going to fight you know we're going to attack you and what do they do same thing they didn't worry they didn't get into fear they went to pray and they said okay lord we need your help now we did this that prayer is not recorded here but it says we prayed and we posted a guard so you you pray and you do the physical. You do whatever you can do physically. Um, you know, you don't just assume. Well, I prayed, so nothing's going to happen. No, <laughs> you, you pray and post a guard. You you pray, and we'll find out as the as the threats keep amping up. They keep they start arming themselves. Not just a posted guard, but they start arming themselves. So as the work progressed, the enemies became more serious. They didn't simply complain or mock. they threatened and planned violence. okay? On the one hand, this was serious. the wall was built to protect against the attacks of violence, and now it seemed that the very building of the wall may prompt an attack to come. And that's the problems you know m- many times with Christianity, people within Christianity. Well, we don't want to do anything that ticks off the devil. Well hello, you know. I mean, what are we supposed to be here for? What are we supposed to? Well, don't don't say things like that because you know don't you don't want to you don't want to give him give him any ideas. He already has all the ideas he needs. He has all the already knows how he wants to kill, steal, and destroy from us. Our job is to keep moving forward, and the more we move forward, the actually the more right we have to receive the protection that he has for us to receive. He loves us and he wants us. He, he wants us to step out. He wants us to step over the line and to and to do the very things that Satan uh, is trying to stop us from doing. So, on the other hand, this wasn't serious at all. The, the, the threats that they were making weren't serious. We find out there was nothing, it was all bark and no bite. They were not they were they were they were uh, chickens. That doesn't sound very sophisticated. They were cowards. They were, um, they were uh, all talk. And um, they didn't attack. They just talked about it. And they were hoping that the threat of attack would be enough to get them to stop. Satan is the same way. What, how is Satan uh, defined? How is Satan... What does the Bible say about Satan? It was,
1: it was about roaring. As a roaring Lightning.
0: He goes about as a roaring lion, looking whom he he may devour. As a roaring lion, rrrrrr, roar, roar, he, he he roars, trying to scare the prey into into not moving, into not accomplishing. As in Revelations, that
2: says we will look on him and say, "Is this the one that scares the nations or something like that?" Yeah,
0: yep, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a um, yes. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking whether I should tell this story but now that I've mentioned that I should think about telling this story. Years ago I had a person come to me and said she said, she goes, I, you gotta pray for me you gotta pray for me. She said, I, I can't sleep at night. She goes, I'm just terrified, absolutely terrified and, and and I just there's something in my room There's there's a there's a physical presence in my room and when I turn the light on it's not there but when I turn the light off I can see the shadow. Like It moves in my room. I can see it. And I'm scared to death. And I said, well, I don't know anything. You know, I don't know what it is or isn't or anything else. But I said, let me come over to your place and let's pray. So I went over there. Her husband was there. And, and the three of us prayed. And we just prayed for a while and just listened to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told me to ask her, do you want to know what it is? And she said, yes. And I said, if... To, to know what it is, is it okay if you see it? Or do you want to see it? She goes, sure. I'll, okay, I'll see it. It's okay for me to see it. And I said, okay, now here's the deal. I'm not, we, we don't ask to see spiritual things. We don't, we don't ask to see things that are in the Spirit. But if you're okay with it, God said he wants to reveal what's, what really is happening here. So I can't remember if it was that night, but or very soon after we had prayed that, the next or the next time we talked and she called me and i can't remember if it was a dead night or the next day or how it all worked out but she called up and she's just laughing she's laughing and laughing and she goes pastor john you're this is hilarious you need to hear this i said sure but she said she got in bed that night her husband fell asleep she couldn't sleep and all of a sudden it was in the room again and and she immediately just had this sense of fear dread and fear and she was just she was terrified, and she's like, oh my gosh, what... She goes, no, but Lord, you said that I could see it. And she, and she looked over, and there's this huge shadow on the wall, and it's moving across her wall. And so she's sitting there, and she goes, okay, Lord, you said I could see what it is. And she turned and looked, and the Lord opened her eyes, and she actually saw the demon. The demon was about this tall, and he just had... He had, he had warts all over his face, and he, he was just absolutely powerless... And she started laughing. And she started laughing. And she goes, that is what this is? Because it was casting this big shadow on the wall. And she started laughing. And then the more she laughed, all of a sudden it disappeared. And it never came back. Amen. But it was the understanding of what it was. Satan always, he does not have the ability to fight against us. He just wants us to be convinced. Like you said right here. He wants to convince us that he has the ability. He doesn't though. So, same thing here. Here's an illustration of it. You know, these uh, these attackers are, are, they're lying. Basically, they're lying. They're not going to attack. They're not going to do anything about it. They're, they're just all talk. Well, that's, that's the way Satan is. <coughs> Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have the victory. We are more than conquerors. He is already defeated anything against that where he says, no, I have the upper hand. I can do this. I can do that. No, no, we are the victors. We are more than conquerors. And we've already had, we already have the victory. So he tries to do the same strategy against us and it will not work in Jesus name. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah, the strength of labors is the strength or the the people in Judah said The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies have said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So they were halfway done. They are halfway through up until now they were they were keeping their eyes on Jesus they were keeping their keeping their eyes on the Lord they were keeping their eyes on the project they were believing God to do all of it but halfway through they got tired they were human that's human that's that is natural i mean it's it is the way we you know as human beings we only have so much strength and they started to believe the lies because and they what they did you can see it here they started to repeat it. Whenever we start to repeat it with what Satan has has accused or what Satan has said he'll do, we give strength to it because we're saying it. What they're doing is is they're giving strength to it. They're giving um, credibility to it. Well, haven't you heard? Remember when the when the spies came back? The ten spies came back from going through Canaan and came back across the river and. And they were carrying all the grapes and the fruit and all the stuff that, that they had from, uh, that they found, the great produce. And they said, oh, the land is definitely flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants. there's giants in the land. And we're grasshoppers in their sight. We're grasshoppers in our own sight, and we're in their sight also. They were repeating the fear. They were repeating, you know, yep, this is too big for us. We can't do this. And they're starting to believe the lie. Well, Nehemiah, being uh, a great leader, immediately jumps in. Verse 13, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. So Nehemiah commanded them to bring out the armor, and they took shifts. They had different had people working uh, on the wall, and then they had people work, standing behind the wall and ready to fight with swords and spears and everything else. What he did was actually a natural answer to what was happening spiritually. He gave them something real to look at, do something real. He, he took care of it in a natural sense. You know, many times we can think, well, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just pray and then God will take care of it. Well, no, sometimes we need to do something. Sometimes we need to, to act upon that and, um, and uh, for God to be able to answer our prayer. For example... You know, we can pray all day long, all week long, all month long, for God to supply our needs. But if we don't go to work, you know, unless there is some miracle which you know happens very, very far and few between, where money just all of a sudden you know materializes, we need to put our hands to the plow. We need to, you know, somebody can believe all day long to to have children but unless they do something about it. You know, there's only been one immaculate conception. So, I mean, it's, we do our part. There is a physical part that we do to to fulfill even God's spiritual will. So, you know, Paul talks about or James or Peter, faith without works of dead.
2: James. You know, this is James. This is a, you know, a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing that, that's uh, tied into this is that... Um, our natural senses in addition to our imagination have an ability to influence what we believe and where we put our confidence and and how we exercise our faith and so what the the enemy was doing was to try and mess with their imagination so that they would imagine things to be bad in the scenario where they keep going and so that's got enough power to them that if they were to allow that to captivate their imagination, it would cause discouragement and it would cause them to be fearful and probably would result in action that would change their their course. The and, and so, I'm sorry. The first psychological operation Yeah. So so basically, in the process of responding in the natural by putting guards and bringing out the armor and everything that. What Nehemiah effectively did is provided a, a input to their natural senses, where they can visually see that hey, we got people standing here, and and that's that's in a sense a, a way of combating the, the imagination that would absolutely be run wild otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: and it's and it's in it's basically in agreement with what. What Nehemiah knew that God had told him to do, and so it's it's just uh, it's it's similar to um, encouraging yourself with the words of God, where you're you're basically reminding yourself of what's true by allowing your ears to hear what your mouth says. Mm-hmm. If you read the words of God, I mean it's a it's a reinforcement of um, to go through the areas that have the ability to affect our
2: our faith and, and our belief. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Imaginations go, can go the other way. It's the words of our mouth. The words of our mouth, like David said, you know, to the giant, you, blah, 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 you know, you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. And it's positive words. God gave us that imagination, and that's what brings things forth. You know? mm-hmm. It's the words of our mouth. Like he said, like be isn't told to stop yet. Mm-hmm. And
0: there it goes. Mm-hmm. And and there's also physical things we can do, and we see it in the Bible. <clears throat> there was a there's, there was a number of of physical things that either the prophet or Jesus said to do to receive even a spiritual healing. Um, uh, the, in the Old Testament, the the king was it. Uh, what was the guy's name that came that had leprosy?
2: Namath.
0: Namath. Name it. Name go it. Name
2: dip it.
0: Dip in the in the River Jordan. Go go dip in the River Jordan. In the Dirty river. <laughs> yeah, I mean there were other times that the prophets just said you're clean and they, and they would lose you know the, all the leprosy would leave, but he told him to go down and dip in the water. Okay, it was a physical thing that he asked him to do. Jesus, many times Jesus spoke and things happened, but other times he laid hands on them. Other times he he stuck something in their in their eyes, you know, like they, once was mud, and another time was spit, or it was was there twice where it was once was or was it he mud and spit? spit and was, yeah, he spit in the sand and made. That's right. So it was, he you know he spit and made the and made made the mud. So you know, okay, why did Jesus do that? I mean, if if he was and he was God, but why would he? Why couldn't he have just spoke to that situation? Well, maybe that guy needed some physical. A physical touch somehow. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know that some people call them touchstones. You know where they have to have something physical to, to, to rely upon. The the um, disciples would pray over cloths, and when the cloths were d- delivered to the to the sick person, that you know they were healed. The anointing would transfer through the cloth. Well, why would he do that? That you know Jesus didn't do that. The prophets didn't do that. But now here the disciples are because sometimes we have to be we have to obey physically and 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 that physical thing may be the bridge that the person who needs the healing needs they just okay they need to see something they need to experience something and so uh god is not always against that in uh you know in doing that for us
1: it's basically addressing the area of unbelief Mm -hmm. and uh, so if someone had a difficulty receiving something because they didn't see it physically happening or like that's it i mean you just say the words and that's all, all it is and that's going to get in the way of them receiving that if that's their the, the form that their unbelief is taking and then mm-hmm. then something like um, an act of obedience where you physically do something or you touch something or whatever might be a, a way of breaking that, that area of unbelief Mm-hmm. one of the interesting things and, and uh, this is this is one difference that um, that uh, is in the translations that I, I found interesting is the, the story when um, Jesus sent out um, the disciples and they had had success in healing all different people and then they came across this um, this son of this man who um, would have seizures and get thrown into the fire and 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 uh, the disciples were unable to to cast out the demon, and um, so the the man came to, to Jesus with them, and and actually the disciples asked directly um, why it didn't work, and um, it's in it's, I think it's in two different gospels at least that mm-hmm. story, and and in one of the two there's a direct answer given. It says because of your unbelief, mm-hmm. and then. The, the verse after that says, um, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Well, when you take out the because of their unbelief, then people interpret this wrong. They, they say that the this kind means that this kind of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. But if you look at what Jesus had been doing just prior to that, he hadn't been spending a whole bunch of time in prayer and fasting. He, he immediately cast out the demon and it was gone. Um, and actually what the this kind is referring to is the unbelief. That this kind of unbelief. Mm-hmm. Directly to them when they, when they ask. So this kind of unbelief, which this kind of unbelief was believing what you see with your eyes as the kid falls on the ground in a seizure. Mm-hmm. That kind of unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so this special case of where they were unsuccessful is that the demon was putting on a show for them and they had... A sensory overload where This looks like this is a big deal This is beyond what we're able to do And so that's why they were unsuccessful Because their, their unbelief Got in the way and, and clearly before they were sent out that Jesus gave them instruction That you're going to go do this And mm-hmm. they were successful in all the areas where Their unbelief didn't kick in But in the area where their senses were activated And that that became More powerful to them To persuade them than the words of Jesus that they were given, then their unbelief overrode their ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, yeah. That's why they were. That's why they were. And
0: that's probably that's more than likely why he put guards there. They never needed the guards. They never once swung a swung a sword. They never threw a spear because no war ever came. No attack ever came. But he put them there physically to overcome their their unbelief, their fear, their 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 desire to stop because well something could happen. Okay, no, we'll, we'll put guards here and let's keep working. And you know what was important was they kept working. That was the that was the focus. And if it took a physical something to nudge them over that line, God's not against that. You know, apparently we see it all the time. All right. So Nehemiah put them in the in in their right, put their minds in the right perspective. The challenge was great, but it was no reason to fear. He who was in them was greater than he who was in the world. So Nehemiah reminded them what they were fighting for. We fight mostly for the Lord, but when we uh, keep what when we keep in our mind how much there is to lose, we're fighting for the Lord, but we're also fighting for our husbands, wives, children, and so on because. If we give up, then we then we're not there for them. We can't fight for them, and that's what what they're saying here. Fight for your sons, your families, your daughters, your wives, your homes. He gave them a reason that's bigger. What we do is bigger than 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 just ourselves. It's just it's better that it's bigger than as long as I survive. Well, no, it's about our children. It's about our friends. It's about our neighbors, and and fighting for them. If Satan can get you to stop he st- and and you're the the way he, that God is going to use to reach your neighbors, your friends, your your children. Then He'll stop them also, okay? Before you before they even get started.
2: And sometimes, if Satan can stop you, they'll look at you and say, "Well, you got taken out, so I don't even have a prayer," you know? Because sometimes people look at other people and say, you know, oh, yeah, if they yeah. fail, I'm not even going to try. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Would you like some cake, Justin? I didn't want to get too far. It's very good. Tally made it. Mm-hmm. Even with no frosting on it, it would be very It's the moistest cake I've ever eaten. I'm trying to sell it, you see. What I think would you like some cake? I'll
2: take some. Yeah,
0: It's, it's good. very good.
2: I'm sure Tally feels very Oh, she it's was very
0: good. And it's it's all it's it's a uh, cell cake, a uh, uh, a plant cell cake for her science class. Oh, absolutely! All right, verse 15. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And so they kept moving forward. That is the key. Bottom line: no matter which way you slice it. It keeps coming back to get back to work. Keep moving forward. The only way we'll lose is if we stop. We're not going to stop. So, once they saw the defenses of the people of God, the enemies shrunk back. They didn't want to battle because they knew they would lose. What the enemies wanted was for the people of God to hand them the victory on a silver platter through failing to watch and be ready. This was a victory. Defending against the attack was not the victory. The people of God would not be at peace and security until the wall was rebuilt. Getting on with the work, that was the victory. (laughs) Absolutely. So when we're under spiritual attack, it's easy to feel that just enduring the storm is a victory. It isn't. The attack often comes to prevent our progress and work for the Lord. Um, victory is enduring the attack and continuing the progress and the work for the Lord. Keep moving forward. Keep doing what he's told you to do. You know, and, and, and the attack's coming from all kinds of different levels. Um, you know, if someone, maybe God has, you know, someone is supposed to say something to somebody else and but somebody comes and says, "Oh, who do you think you are?" Wait, what gives you the right to say those things? What gives you you're not going to do that. You're going to make a fool out of yourself. You're not going to blah 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 this or that. Well, then people will stop and not say what what needs to be said. We need to keep moving forward on this and to, and to not shrink back from what God wants us to do. So verse 16 From that day on, half the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Some of the servants did the work of defending, and some did the work of building. The workers had a sword at the side and the trowel in their hands to get the work done. The kingdom of God is built with both a sword and a trowel. A sword to come against every spiritual force of wickedness in high places and the trowel to do the work of building up the people of God. It is a physical work. It takes physical work. We, we have to do stuff. We have to go. We have to, we have to speak. We have to encourage. We have to take time. That is the physical part of moving the kingdom of God forward. There's the spiritual part, but but that is you know I love what you say. You know, it's it's right here. The spiritual the, the war is right here. And and the whole war is you can't make it. Yes, I can. <laughs> you you're not going to accomplish it. Yes, I will. But not just yes I will out of sheer stubbornness, yes I will, because because of this scripture because of that scripture because God is with me greater is he than he, that with me than he that is in the world so on and so forth that's the spiritual part of the battle but we still have to do the physical we still have to serve one another we still have to have to reach out we still have to speak when when, when we're ready you know when we need to do so <laughs> verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, trumpet, <laughs> trumpet, <laughs> trumpet. it's the cake. It is. I'm starting to affect me here. The sound of the trumpet. Join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued, verse 21, we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guards by night and workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men or, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. It's interesting that there's a note there, because you know, why wouldn't you keep your clothes on when you went for water? You know, I, I just read that. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting. Unless that means unless we're going to take a bath. I mean, they, it
1: says for washing yeah. in the King
0: James. In the King James. So that's even that would be interesting. It's kind of like uh, you know, you you take your bath with your clothes on, you know, and uh, kind of do, you know do double duty and. In the military, it's common. I mean, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go but, for it. I mean, when we were you know, deployed, we never we just took wet wipes, and that's what you used. Mm-hmm. So they stayed ready to sound the alarm at the slightest notice. They would not be caught off guard. So from daybreak until the stars appeared, they dedicated themselves to the work all the more, working hard from sunrise to past dark, even spending the night out at the job site to protect it against the attack. And um, so they kept their clothes on. They were ready to go. Um, Christians need to be armed with that same attitude today. We need to be always ready, always clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, always wearing the armor of God, ready for that final trumpet blast that will gather us together. But I would even you know, I would say we need to be ready that at any moment if someone needs to hear the gospel, if someone needs to, to, to be reached, if someone needs to be served, to be helped, whatever it might be, that we're ready at any moment. It isn't just about, well, the church has an event going on next week that I'm going to help out with, and that's my, that's my spiritual duty. No. It, it could happen um, in your neighborhood. You know, It might be somebody uh, you're walking down the street with. Who knows? So we're ready at any moment, anywhere.
1: It just occurred to me that uh, you know, in addition to them building up their own faith by um, posting guard and doing all this stuff through the night and that um, not only were they, in, they were influencing their own senses, but they are influencing the senses of their enemies, their physical enemies. Yeah. And so, if if Satan had been Successful in convincing certain people to go along with what he wanted to do, and these same people have uh, uh, physical sense um, input that shows that they're up against armed people, and that they didn't leave an opportunity in the middle of the night, and they they kind of covered all these bases. That's that's. I mean, it's kind of like what you are saying. It's like psychological warfare mm-hmm. against the enemy, too. And so, even if they themselves didn't need it, it has uh, an influence on the enemy. And, and in fact, Satan himself has the potential to get psyched out by that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that uh, was really helpful for me to, to think about is um, when you look in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all those those things, that those are characteristics of the Spirit of God, and that Satan doesn't have any of those. And I think a lot of times people give Satan more credit for being calculating and just patient that things are going to go according to what he wants to do, but he doesn't have peace and he doesn't have patience. And so if you can think of Satan as being anxious and not confident in what he's doing and that if something isn't going right the way he wanted it to, that he's actually stressing out about it, mm-hmm. it actually helps shrink him down to that little little size that puts him in perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Himself, mm-hmm. that. that's really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. That's very good. Good. Anything else?
2: <clears throat> All psychological stuff reminds me of I was always with Gideon when they surround them and smash their jars and
0: blew the little shafars and the psychological part of it how much it plays a part in it Mm -hmm. exactly Uh, you notice here that the the Israelites are saying hey if we saw the trumpet you come run in here you run there we'll go over and the Lord will fight for us that same idea, the Lord will fight for us, is exactly the same thing that they've experienced all through all those other battles. You know, unless they were in sin, God always fought for them. They always defeated much bigger armies with very few uh, casualties. If there were casualties, they were like, "What's wrong? Something happened here." You know, there's this isn't right. They would wipe out whole uh, cities, whole nations, and not lose a man. I mean. Just you know, amazing feats of, of 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 warfare and so on and so forth, and so they're you know they're they're looking at this going, hey, this is the same sort of deal, you know, kind of get into that same f- f- mind frame that we're doing the will of God, and so God will fight for us. It then so that's psychological on their part. It, it's it's reinforcing us. It rebuilds their you know. You know, a few verses before this, they're going, Well, you know, they're gonna attack at night and they're gonna we're not we're not gonna be ready for it, and this and that. Well, now they're saying, We're ready and the Lord will fight for us. They get into that into that more than conqueror mindset. But at the same time, think what it's doing to their enemies. Because they had heard about all those. You know, why don't they want Jerusalem to be rebuilt? Because whenever was God was on Jerusalem's side, they were unstoppable. And so now when they see the, the walls being built are going oh no this is not good you know we've had it pretty good for a hundred years here and now this isn't good because what if God starts fighting on their behalf again but they don't even dare attack because they realize if we attack God will wipe us out their God will wipe us out and so we see that psychological on both sides you know it's it's But that's what we're supposed to have. We are to have that same attitude that we are unstoppable, that we will win every single time we put our hands into war. Every time we pick up a sword, we will win the fight. When we have that attitude, because that is the right attitude, that is the right belief, then we will do amazing things. But it's when we psych ourselves out or we believe Satan Oh, you know, you're not big enough. You can't, who do you think you are? You can't speak in public. You can't, you can't help the poor. You can't do this. You can't, well, then you never will because you've psyched yourself out or you've allowed him to psych you out. All right. This is tonight's, isn't it? Like, is this on the schedule? Are we supposed to do 5 and 10 this week? Or was that last week? That was, last week. was that last week? We're a whole week behind. Okay, never mind. So where we're where we were supposed to be at the beginning of last week. Okay, that's okay. We got we got a whole week. We got all year. It's not a problem. We got it covered. All right, Nehemiah, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. So, oh, jeez, so, more cake, everybody. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Okay. God is doing something mighty in Israel. God is doing an amazing thing, and they're seeing progress. And and every time, you know, so, so how does Satan try to destroy the work of God? The first thing. What's the first thing he tries to do?
1: Try to discourage the person actually involved in it
0: trying to discourage them where does the discouragement come from from the outside or the inside, the
2: inside.
0: from the outside Sanballat Tobiah you mm-hmm. can't do this you're not gonna because mm-hmm. remember uh, Nehemiah says to them you have no part of us you're you know they were you don't belong to us you don't have a part in Jerusalem you don't get to be a part of this. so the, the, the accusations the, the attacks the all those sort of things All of those things that are trying to stop the work of God first came from the outside. Mm -hmm. Satan tried to stop this work of God from the outside. That didn't work. So now we get to Nehemiah 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. So chapter 4 ended with a great note of victory. The people of God were doing the work of God and they did it despite all the obstacles. They worked with sword in one hand, trowel in the other, and they would not let their enemies stop them. But in this section, chapter 5, there is no mention of working on the wall at all in the whole chapter, indicating that the work had stopped. The argument was not from the outside, it was from the inside. The work stopped because of strife among God's people. The enemy could not stop the work of God by a direct attack, but the work stopped when people, when God's people were not unified and working together. A great outcry of the people and their wives against the Jewish brethren meant one group was fighting against the other. When God's people fight one another, they certainly are neither fighting the real enemy nor getting God's work done. My translation says the wealthier Jews. See how they are? Yes, well, Mm. social justice, you know. (laughs) All right, verse 2. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying... We have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews and through our children, there are, they are as good as theirs. Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So, The whole book of Nehemiah is not a book about money. It just isn't. It's a book about getting the plan of God done. Doing the plan (coughs) of God. Fulfilling the will of God. But it's also it's it's also a a, a book that deals with all the problems with getting the work of God done. And money problems are one of the things that happens to stop people from moving forward. If Satan, or if Satan, can get us to stop looking towards the plan of God, towards Christ himself who's going ahead and before us, if he can take our eyes off of that and get us worried about what's happening in our daily lives, he will stop us. Why, why don't we see more people giving themselves over to mission work? That's it. We're, I'm going I'm to go wherever God leads me to go, whether it's the the uh, the you know my neighborhood in our you know our own neighborhood or it's the Indian village to to, to share the gospel and to serve the poor or somewhere around the world why don't people go?
2: How oh, so.
1: am I going to make a living? Yeah.
0: How am I going to make a living?
1: Where am I going to find a wife?
0: <laughs> All the natural things that we that we, that people worry about now. We need to eat. We need to. We need to have our, our creature comforts taken care of. We need. You know, those things are important, but the problem is that we, we that people stop trusting God for those things and start focusing on the things. How do we deal with this? Matthew five says uh, talks. The whole thing is about blessed are the. You know, it's the, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and he said. Don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you're going to wear or all those earthly things. Don't you realize that even the flowers are are, are ordained... or oh, not... Not ordained. <laughs> adorned. They're adorned with, you know, fine. You know, better better than kings. And the sparrows are fed every... You know, God knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and... And all these things will be added on to you. Our perspectives get switched, not from what God wants us to do, but what it's going to take for us to make it through the day. And that's where Satan loves us to get stuck. He wants us to get stuck in in how do I get through today? How do I make a living? How do I take care of this? And you know what? It's, It's admirable too. How do I get my... My, how do I feed my kids? How do I clothe my kids? Because we're responsible for them. But God can take care of that too. He, you know, if, he can do both. He, he, can, he can fulfill his plan through our lives, and he can take care of us along the way. Here's a perfect example. And these are real problems. You know, they're having to mortgage their, their, their fields, their vineyards. They're having to sell their kids into slavery to pay the taxes. I mean, that's, those are real problems, okay? But and, and what it's doing though is it's stopping the work of God. It sounds like their own their own brethren are the ones
2: that that are, you know, perpetrating this.
0: Yes, they're they they're charging usury. They're they're tra- they're charging in uh, interest on loans, and we'll see that. We'll, it'll come up here in a second. Verse six. When I heard their outcry. And these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, You are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, As far as possible, you have brought or you have, you, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are, now <clears throat> you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept. Quiet because they could find nothing to say. Well, that's what they were doing. They were taking advantage of the people who didn't have enough. The and, and you're right, it was the it was the noblemen, the the rich people, they were taking advantage. But at the same time, the people the, the the people who were not as rich were also falling into the trap of going, Well, the only way I can take care of this is to sell my kids. Well, no, that's not the only way. You know well, the only way the only way I'm ever going to you know, buy a car is if I take out a loan. Well, no, that's not the only way to, you know to buy a car. It is we, we, we too many times fall into the trap of the only way this is going to work is to go into debt. And then we get into debt and then we're you know mortgage. Mortgage is made of two uh, Latin words, mort, which is death engage which is is tied to or, or um engaged to it's where our word engagement comes from tied to so mortgage is tied to death and that's that's what it means and so we get into that system and then it takes everything we can do to get out of that system only many times for people to get back into the system again uh I saw a statistic one time that says um, that the national credit card debt is $25,000 per person in America. Now, not just every man and woman, it's every man, woman, and child in America is carrying $25,000 in credit card debt. Okay, so I'm not and my wife's not, and my children are, and there's a whole bunch of other people that I know are not. So there are some people that are mortgaged well beyond reality because they've fallen into the trap. If you fall into the trap, then you cannot do what you want to do. You are, you are you're mortgaged. You, you are, you are uh, tied to death to tell you get free of that thing got to have those spinning reels, you know
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's just credit card debt that's not like you uh, that was that was <laughs> credit, card debt. credit card wow
1: mm-hmm. you know i was just thinking about there's there's a couple of things related to this. When, I remember when i was in high school where repeatedly you'd hear that well you need to establish some credit history mm-hmm. and you need to get good credit rating in order to Ever be able to buy a house? Most encouraged or, to go into debt. Basically, they mm-hmm. they kind of said that that's the way it has to be. I mean, it's the, the limited options that you're given. That, well, I guess this is the only way then. So you're supposed to go into debt in order to build a credit history, in order to stay in debt for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, in addition to that, I mean, I see very very strong influence in the well. You, yeah, what kind of college are you going to? You got to go to college, and and not that there's anything wrong with college, but so so much of the pressure that's that's trying to get people college bound um, is well before they have any idea what what they should do. And I know a lot of people that have gone through several years of college and have got forty thousand dollars worth of debt mm-hmm. in the process that have a degree that isn't valuable at all mm-hmm. and then they don't know what they want to do even when they're done mm-hmm. so there's something about the just um, following the rest of the lemmings off the cliff that's probably not such a good plan mm-hmm. and I, I think that uh, a greater emphasis on on finding out what uh, what a person should actually be doing is probably a better approach
0: what is God's plan what 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 is it that he wants you to do because it may be college, but then again it may not be. And if it is college then he doesn't want you to go into debt doing it. He, there's ways you can do it without going into debt. Now you, you might look at it and go that's impossible, but it's also impossible to walk on water and he did that. So you know that's where the supernatural comes in. that's where the that's where God taking you to, you know uh, helping you to get to a place, where you're not relying on somebody else, and you can't—you're not—you're locked into not being able to do what he wants you to do. You know, what if God wanted you Just okay, he wants you to to, to move and go do something, do something completely different. I think with last week we talked about the a friend of mine, who's who's a member of his church, decided on a whim—not a whim. I mean, it was the leading of God. But one day she didn't know anything about going to Africa, and the next, and that next day she was offered, you want to go to Africa for nine months and be a missionary. And she prayed about it and goes, yes. Well, the only reason she could do that was she was debt free. She didn't owe anybody anything. She didn't, you know, she she could she could stop her life seemingly and go do what God wanted to do. Well, you can't do that if you're strapped. That's what's going on here is these guys, people are so strapped, they can't work anymore. Now we have to figure out How we're going to pay back this loan? It means I got to go do something. I can't build this wall anymore. I got to go. I got to go do something with this money.
1: That's why materialism is fed so strongly. I mean, the accumulating house and the car and boat and a Mm -hmm. snowmobile and all this other stuff. I mean, it
2: it functionally does exactly what you're saying. It it ties people down. Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey tells a funny story about getting turned down for a loan because he doesn't have a credit score multi-millionaire, you know,
0: and you can't get a loan, so. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So the people had financial problems because their loans that they had taken out to live cost interest, and some were in default. Therefore, they had to give their ch- children as servants to their to their lenders to pay off the debt. So, as we'll see later, um, the rich were taking advantage of this crisis to make money off the poor. They were charging 12% interest a year. We sometimes want to separate what we do with our money from our walk with God. This is a huge deception from Satan. Buying a house is a spiritual decision, not just a financial one. Taking a job, choosing a career, deciding how much money you should make. All of <coughs> these things matter. Um, that will, All of these things will directly affect your walk with God, both now and in the future. If we don't handle our money with the right heart and make financial decisions with an eye on eternity, we will make mistakes that will affect the work of God in our lives for years and years to come. <clears throat> so, Nehemiah chews them out. He gets in their face. He calls them on the carpet. He he says, "That's it. You guys are charging. You're 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 stealing. You're stealing from your." Own people. You're stealing their very lives. Stop it. So here's what, as a leader, he did, you know, he he got into their business and said, stop living this way. You can't do it. And praise God, they took it to heart. They took it to heart. Verse 12, we will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also took shook, I also shook out the folds of my robe and said in this way God may God shake you out of the house out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise so make such a person be shaken out and emptied now I don't know this for sure but I was going to ask you isn't that they don't charge usury to each other so correct looking right yeah, go ahead share that yeah,
2: Leviticus is against the rules to charge. Yeah, to. Um, in Leviticus twenty five fourteen, not to do wrong in buying or selling. Uh, Leviticus twenty five thirty seven is not to make a loan to an Israelite on interest. Not to borrow on interest is Deuteronomy twenty three twenty. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to. They're not. They were breaking many commandments by doing that. They shouldn't have done that.
0: You know, in in and I heard a, a, I wouldn't say it's a statistic. I just heard a statement that even now. So if if say if we're all in businesses, we're all in different businesses, and my business starts not doing well, as a as the Jewish community, you you would step in and say, "Here's what we'll do. We're going to help you out." And you would give me the money that I need to get myself back, on, you know, get back on my feet. With the idea I pay it back, but I don't pay it back with interest. It's a, it's an interest-free loan amongst ourselves. If that happens three times, I'm out. You know, they will, get, they will help you get on your feet once. They will help you get on your feet twice. But if it happens a third time, you're done. You don't, you don't get help the third time. Is that true? I mean, I have heard that. that, that,
2: that uh, me, uh, yeah, newly, newly married couples, you know, they buy the home, mm-hmm. you know, they just pull out cash the parents, and yeah, everything's set up. There's, they don't live like
0: we do. No, and that's the whole thing. They don't live like we do. I heard, and I heard another somebody we were talking about this, talking about covenants, and uh, the, this Christian guy was trying was witnessing to his accountant who was a Jew and said was saying, you know, you need to get saved and this and that, and the Jew goes. Why would I want to hook up with your covenant? My covenant's better. And he goes, what do you mean, your covenant's better? My covenant's better. And he goes, okay. He says, says, I'm an accountant. He says, these books over here, these are my Jewish accounts. And these books over here, these are my non-Jewish accounts. And he says, these guys work three months out of the year. And then they go to the Cayman Islands for months, for on vacation. And then they go do this, and they go do that, and they do this. He says... He says, you, you non-Jews are over here. You work 50, 60, 70 hours a, a week, and, you're, and you're, you, know, you work 50 weeks out of the year, 51 weeks out of the year. You're mortgaged to the hilt. He goes, what do you mean your covenant's better? He says, look what, you know, their way of life, he, in, you know, in, in, the, in the natural, looks better than what we're dealing with. And so what is our problem? Our problem is we don't know how to live by the covenant. We don't know how to live by the principles of the covenant. And one of the things is, we, and here's a lesson in it, number one is we borrow money on on interest. When I was in Israel, it was
2: calm. You see people pulling out just wads of money out of their pocket. And mm-hmm. our guide said that they don't deal with banks. Mm-hmm. They don't like them. They don't want nothing to do with them. And I'm talking thousands
0: of dollars. When, when, I was, when I was down in uh, New Orleans and I was training for the self-defense class, three of my roommates were Jews, were, were, were his, uh, Jew, Jewish guys. And we're all sitting around talking and, and one goes, one took, a, he, had a, he had a phone and, and he got a text message and he goes, oh, great. Well, I suppose, yep. And, and so one of his other friends says, what, what's the matter? And he goes, well, he says, we're taking another trip. This guy is ten to fifteen years younger than me. So we're we're taking another trip to Hawaii this year. And we're trying to decide whether to bring the old pair or not mm-hmm. with us to take care of our kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, God, <laughs> because they they live differently than we do, and they and and it's it's not a greed thing on my part. It's it's a our covenant's better, <laughs> and, and why don't we live better? We you know we is because we don't live according to biblical principles. Alright, I'll get off that. Let's keep moving forward. We'll never get done. We'll never get through last week. <laughs> they said we'll give it back. They summoned the priests. So with the oaths and the public record of all this, Nehemiah assures the accountability, something we often need to help us with help us do and our spirit is is help us when our spirit is willing to do it but our flesh is weak. Perhaps accountability is a missing step in dealing with an area where you have a hard time doing what is right.
2: When, when I was over um, in Israel, our guide said that, uh, who was the Russian with the birthmark on his Gorbachev. He came over. They said that he came over there once and was just astonished, saying, how do y'all do this? This is like... How did y'all make socialism work? Or like that? <laughs> uh, referring to the kibbutzes and how everybody took care of themselves and they took care of the community together, and they said he was just astonished at how they could do this. So,
0: mm-hmm. because it's based on something, it's based on even though it's not based on Jesus, it's based on God, yeah. and it's based on righteousness. Yeah. That's the difference. Not based on I will I will make you equal yeah. to everyone <laughs> else. I will make you take care of everyone else, comrade, tovarish. (laughs) 14. So, moreover, for the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until the 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to the food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Stop. He was the governor of... That area, Jerusalem, Judea, that that area, and so by right, they were supposed to pay him taxes, and by right, they were supposed to feed him. And what he's basically saying is, I didn't take that, I didn't do that. He didn't. um, At one point, he he was there. Was money allotted to build a home for him? I don't think he even built the home. He lived just like the people lived. He lived in those temporary buildings as they were building he made himself equal to them and he didn't take advantage of them. Now, there was food brought in, but even the food that was brought in, he shared it with everybody that was around him. Whoever was there, excuse me, also ate at his table. And so it wasn't, he didn't just sit there and get fat off of everybody else's finances and everybody else's hurt. He, He became one of them. And that's why people followed him. That's why people respected him was it wasn't like you serve me and then I will lead you. No. He he, he served by leading, by, by being a servant leader. Or he led, I mean, by being a servant.
2: How far we came.
0: Yep. Amen. So, furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came... To us from the surrounding nations, each day one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all of this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. So remember me with favor, my God, for I have done, these, done for what I have done, all I have done for these people." So Nehemiah did not only take, did not take when he could have, he also gave when he didn't have to. That's, that's the, the, the sign of a true leader. So he received a lot of food from the king's provisions, which he could have, he could have sold for his own profit. And that's what many of them did, was that the, the governors would sell that, anything that wasn't used, he would sell that to the people for a higher price because it was good food. It was choice stuff. And so he could go for a premium, but he didn't do that. Instead, he gave it away. He gave it to anybody who was there, who needed help, um, who was happened to be in the area, even people that came from afar. He fed them up to 150 people regularly. So... Um, because of the bondage was heavy on the people Nehemiah in his own life lived the way he told the nobles and rulers to live to not take personal advantage of another's need he did what every godly leader must do he never expected more of his followers than he was than he expected of himself that's why they followed him that's why when he said stop doing this stop charging usury stop living this way to stop taking advantage of your of your Uh, countrymen they immediately did it why because he was living that way he was an example for them i don't think i don't think they would have i think they would have said skip you why are you why do you get to live that way but we can't because they were nobles also but because he lived that way he uh they followed his lead chapter six when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So, how does Satan first attack? External. Externally. Threat, anger, you know, uh, uh, threats of violence. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to kill you. Don't do, you know, you know, stop doing what God told you to do. I'm going to kill you. When that doesn't work, how is the next attack? Fear. In- yeah. Internally. Internal fighting, internal bickering and arguing and, and so on and so forth. If we don't give in to that, then what's the next attack? Compromise. All right, all right, I see you're you know, okay you're hitting that. Let's get together and talk. And the next couple of chapters focuses on that that attempt to make him compromise, to to get him to to, to well, we'll see. We'll we'll see it when and we Al Pacino get. there
2: the Pacino was a devil and the devil. I never the I never, I never saw that in the movie,
0: brother. <clears> throat> throat> No, I don't know. <laughs> Chapter 6. Okay, so that's where we're at. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Nehemiah, as a leader of God's people, had discernment. You know, not every time somebody tries to... Uh, uh, I don't want to use the word grease the wheels. it You know, to be your friend, not every time is it good. But then again, not every time is it bad. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to walk around going, "What's your motive?" You know, I'm not gonna, you know, you don't want to mistrust everybody. But then again, you don't want to trust everybody. You need
2: discernment.
0: You need discernment. And Nehemiah has discernment when he heard this invitation. Now. Uh, granted, these were the same guys who threatened to kill him just a few months before. So, you know, he could see was it was Eddie Haskell, you know, from uh, Believe It to Beaver, you know. I mean, for the do you remember Eddie Haskell? Yeah, see, it's, a, it's an age thing. It was a TV show where this kid was, he was one of the worst ones in the group, wasn't he? I mean, as far as scheming and trying to plan all these things. But then whenever the parents came around, hello, Mrs. Cleaver. You look so wonderful today. How are you doing? Well, these guys are are being uh, uh, Eddie Haskell uh, in this, you know, why don't we get together, you know, let's talk about this. But they were scheming to harm me. Verse 3. So I have sent messengers to them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time them, I gave them the same answer. Hello, I ain't going with you. We're not going down there. Why should we stop? Well, let's let's discuss this. You know, let's 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 just just hang on a second. Don't go getting crazy. We're not, you know, we want to be your friends now. No, you don't. You want me to stop working? You want me to leave the the work site, and then you want to do something? So no. The wall was almost finished, the gaps were almost closed, but the gates were not finished. For the enemies of the Nehemiah and the work of God, there was a now or never time. They did not, or they didn't do something immediately. If, if they didn't do something now to stop the work, the walls would be completely finished. So they just they tried to get him to come uh, f- to a friendly meeting, perhaps even a reconciliation vacation. Their invitation may have had the sense of break of a break for a few days of rest and relaxation out on the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. Nehemiah was equipped to see right through the appearance and understand what this offer was all about. Verse 5. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. I wonder how that will happen so come, let us meet together, so not only was it, hey, let's, you know, let's get together for some rest and relaxation that didn't work, alright, okay we're, we heard you're going you're gonna to make yourself king, and we're going to tell <laughs> we're, we're going to tell the real king, and we know you're, this, this whole thing is about you guys rebelling, so if you want to squash the, the rumors you need to come and meet with us he'll use anything to get you to, to, to back down. You know, none of us want to be accused. None of us want to be accused of of being whatever. You know, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, as a pastor, I've had people say, well, you just think you're this. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I'm anything. I know what I am and we're going to keep moving forward. Don't, you know, listen, we're not playing games here. But, but they accuse. It's okay, now... Now there's now the false accusations come flying. If the, if, if the direct threat, if the if the um, internal fighting didn't get them, if the if the, uh, the 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 attack or the the discussion of well less compromise doesn't work, then it's uh, accusations. Well and it's just an out and out lie. They did the same things to Jesus, didn't they? You know, all the way along, they tried to they tried to to. Uh, Um, get him to fall for all kinds of things. And at the end, it was just out-and-out accusations. Well, you said this, and you said that. Even that couldn't agree. They didn't agree with each other. So, I sent them this reply, verse 8. Nothing like that, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed... See, and that's, there he goes again, doing the right thing. Um, in the midst of the attack, he prays, now strengthen my hands. So the slander began uh, the way many verbal attacks do, as a report that somebody else said something, that somebody else heard that somebody else said something. That's the same kind of same kind of uh, uh, accusations. Well, I didn't hear it, but you know, so-and-so said that they heard it, and somebody else said it's true, so that must be the truth. You know, no. Vague accusations often sound like everyone is talking about it. That's the other thing. There was one or two people trying to get him to stop, and and they're trying to make it like sound like well, everybody is saying this. I've even had people say that they said this is how everybody in the church is thinking. And I said, really? Name one. Well, I don't really know anybody but everybody's thinking this and that's like <laughs> then it ain't true. <laughs> you know don't even we're not playing the game. I don't you know we're not playing the game.
1: It's pretty stark contrast between that tactic and um, how they were specifically commanded about giving testimony about being a witness to something and, mm-hmm. and that, that they need two people to, to be witness. Yeah, like, like the
2: law stated yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. So, what what Sanballat accused Nehemiah of was false. If a thousand nations reported it, it, would not make it true. A popular lie may be more dangerous, but it is not more true because it's popular. So, just because everybody's saying it doesn't make it true. Well, I
2: read it on the internet.
0: So <laughs> yeah, gotta be true. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly right. It's
2: on Wikipedia. <laughs>
0: you know, and that's the problem. I, I, sometimes I want to quote Wikipedia, but something it's like, yeah, well, just because it says it on Wikipedia, doesn't mean that it's.
2: There were kids in my old church that used to change stuff about New Richmond facts, just just to mess <laughs> with people.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Nehemiah did not <clears throat> did not mount an elaborate defense, trying to prove Sambalot wrong point by point. He wasn't going to waste his time. You don't you don't satisfy men like Sambalot with facts, explanation and ev- explanations and evidence, mainly because he knew it wasn't true. Sambalot knew that what he was saying wasn't true. He just he was trying to stop the work. He would do anything to stop what was happening. So why argue with him? Um, Sambalot would not be defeated by being told he was a liar. He didn't care if the whole world thought he was a liar. He could not, if he could, only cause the work to stop. But Nehemiah was steadfast. Verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, 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 son of Delilah, Delilah, whatever, the son of whatever the next guy's name is was shut in at his home and he said let us meet in the house of God inside the temple let us draw close to the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night they are coming to kill you so if they cannot attack you from the outside if they're not if they can't make you stop by threats and then if Satan can't stop you from the inside with internal infighting and then he can't stop you what was the next one
2: uh, compromise. compromise. Right.
0: And then he can't stop you with compromise and then he can't stop you with lies. Then comes out the big guns. Let's make it spiritual. Let's go to the temple. We need to go to the temple because there's men who are trying to kill you and you'll be safe in the temple. Well, what he was trying to do is get him separated from the people because what he's doing is he's leading the people. But if we can get you to let's go pray, brother. Let's go let's go spend the time in prayer. Or let's you know, let's whatever spiritual answer or spiritual reason somebody can give you to stop doing what you're supposed to be doing, what you already know you're supposed to be doing. Nehemiah didn't need to pray to know what he also didn't need to be protected. God was already protecting. Him. He needed to finish the wall. That's what he needed to do. Is
2: Nehemiah a priest?
0: I can't remember. Is Nehemiah a priest? No, he is not. Okay, that's, that, would,
2: that explains a lot more to it because he wasn't allowed in. it. Before.
1: Right. I thought he was a lot. Uh, his lineage was... Was he? Didn't we talk about that?
0: Uh, Ezra was. Oh, Ezra was. Ezra was. I don't think Nehemiah... It never says that he was. I don't think it does. If, if it does, obviously it's incorrect. That's, yeah. that's what I was
2: thinking of, And yeah. this other guy, if he's that prophet guy, if he's not a priest either, then... They, neither one of them would have been allowed
0: in there. But. They are following the laws anyway, so what the heck? <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're
2: making up their own rules.
0: Yeah. Well, what, what he's basically saying is you need to go hide. We need to go hide. We need to hide you so that we can keep you safe. Well,
2: <laughs> I'm already safe Let me do
0: my job Let me get back to work here. Let's, let's get something done. Verse 11, but I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Shambalat had hired him. He had been hired to hu- to intimidate me so that I wouldn't, so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Right. You know, what, what's worse than, well, there he goes. You know, he got us this far on the wall, and now he's running. You know, what are you telling everybody else? Stay and fight, stay and fight, stay and fight. If if, if uh, the guy's going to... Hey. hey, what the heck are you kids doing out there?
2: right <laughs> back. <ball. laughs>
0: so he's telling everybody to stay and fight, be brave, don't quit, keep going, and then he goes and runs and hides. You know, hello. It sure sounds reasonable. One might even think of Scripture to support it. Psalm 61.4 says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Nehemiah needed discernment now more than ever because people will tell you, "It'll they'll make it sound spiritual to stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. This actually happened to me once. Um, and I, don't, I don't think the person was being malicious I know the person wasn't being malicious I know the person wasn't wasn't uh, trying to it was not an agent of Satan or anything but I had prayed about it I knew I was supposed to go to Hungary on a trip and I went to the airport I was at the airport uh, the night before the night before we had tried to get on the plane well we actually did get on the plane we took off and then the landing gear wouldn't go up into the plane. So we ended up dumping all the fuel and making an emergency landing back at the airport. So the next day, I already had that under my belt, but then the next day, I'm walking up to the gate to get on the plane, and my phone rings. And the person on the other end says, I was just praying about you, and the Lord said, don't get on that plane. And I was like, really? And I am just immediately start listening for the Holy Spirit. I'm going, Lord... What do you want me to do? And this person goes, John, please don't get on the plane. Don't get on that plane. You don't have to go on this trip. You can go some other time. Don't go on this trip. I'm just like, Lord, is that you know, is that you or is that him? Or is that what is that? And I kept listening and I, I finally said, Here's the deal. I'm gonna call my wife, we're gonna pray about it, and if I don't call you back, I'm getting on the plane. Thank you very much for for your input. But I said, I you know, we have to keep moving forward. I have to keep moving forward. And so I hung up the phone. I called Deb. I said, hey, you know, this person just called me. They said, don't get on the plane. What do you think? And she goes, did we not pray about this already? And I said, yeah. And she goes, then get on the plane. And I went, good (laughs) for me. Let's go. And I got on the plane. And uh, a whole bunch of weird stuff happened on that trip, but also some amazing things happened on that trip that wouldn't have happened had we not got on the plane. And that's where
1: God's faithful to be providing two or more witnesses as well. So if you had called Deb and Deb said, yeah, I just had this, that, that thought too, or something along those lines, yep. it, it would be something that, okay, you can start putting the confirmations in, in line. God's not going to just have one thing until you to do it. And that's, that's I mean, he's, he's consistent with
2: that. Yep, amen. But had also told Pastor John.
0: Right, and I hadn't heard, don't go.
2: And... and you know, if you're not supposed to do something direct, he'll come out and stop you. Maybe. I mean, no, you're not. And you'll know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know his voice. That's the word it says. No, my people know my voice. The stranger's voice, they will not
0: follow. Yep. Amen. Amen. So, and like I say, I, I'm not saying this person, who knows what they heard? And, and who knows why they did it? They weren't doing it because they were trying to be use of Satan like that, but. hallelujah it's 8 o'clock any other thoughts before we end tonight uh, no class next week no class next Wednesday it is the start of MEA or what used to be called the school holiday formerly known as MEA and so our family will be gone. So you can come here and all hang out, but I'm not going to be We'll be back on the 23rd. Is that right? Wednesday the 23rd.
2: So, NBA missing in action.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the illumination of your word. Thank you for leading us and guiding us and, and helping us to see your plan and purpose for our lives. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.